some Torah. Feel better, Cantor. Thank you for dominating the past tonight, though. Shkoch to her. Do you know this phrase, Hare Ani Ka'ish Ben Shivim Shana? Rabbi Elazar Ben Azariah states it in the Haggadah of Passover you'll be reading soon. So I hope you're getting your Pesach shopping done. Have you noticed the stores are filled with matzah and gefilte fish? You can get a good deal at Costco on a big matzah right now. And it's also time to set aside time to clean your house, to get rid of your hummets, the crumbs and the food that are not kosher for Passover. And the rabbis taught that in so doing, when we do that cleaning, we cast off a bit of the excess ego that we've already built up in ourselves since Yom Kippur. Comments that rising, push it down a little bit, they said. <laughs> Cleaning and eating matzah is a humbling experience. Well, in English, what Rabbi Elazar was saying reflects this humility. Behold, he said, I'm like a man of 70 years old, and yet I've never understood why we tell the story of the going out from Egypt at night until Ben Zoma, a younger scholar, explained it to me. So I was thinking about Rabbi Elazar's humbling admission as I tried to take in the results of the latest Israeli election. There is a lot that many of us, no matter your political perspective, can't understand because ultimately we don't live there. And even if you think you understand with an authoritative voice, well, the pollsters made it clear yet again that scientific prognostication when it comes to politics is anything but. So in considering the election, my mind wandered to a time of political transition recorded in the Bible, in the Tanakh. There in the book of Samuel, the people come to the prophet Samuel who'd been leading them with God's presence through his voice for so many years. And they ask him to Samuel, please now put a king over us so we can be like the other peoples around us who have kings. In response, Samuel berates the people. He says to the Israelites, what? Whose ox have I taken? Whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? And clearly he was upset. And I always thought that he took this perspective because he was angry at the possible diminution of prophetic influence. But then it came to me the other day. And I thought, Hare Anika Ish Benchivim Shemat, not until now, even though I'm not yet 70, <laughs> that I understood his peak. Just after the request for the king, Samuel prayed to God as to what to do, and God's response was that he should hearken to their request but know that they've rejected me. Well, I thought about that interchange between God and Samuel in connection with my own response to the Israeli elections. Prime Minister Netanyahu had assumed that they would be a quick affirmation of his leadership. However, elections as they want to do, well, they took on a life of their own. More than half the country expressed the desire to have a new prime minister. And then more than half of the country, and I know my math doesn't add up, expressed a desire to keep the prime minister because the fear of change, 
might endanger Israel at a time when the region is in such turmoil. And when you have that kind of split, what happened? The campaign was contentious. And as often happens here in the United States, offensive things were said by multiple sides in the heat of the political debate. And then I understood what the prophet Samuel was bemoaning. Not that he was losing power, but he realized that the Israelites would now leave the pristine prophetic period where they had a sense that they were above the political because, well, God was guiding them. Now they were entering the period of the kings, the next stage of their development, the age of politics. And maybe he knew. Politics are messy. They're disjointed. They are at times anything but holy. Politicians are not prophets. They don't speak God's word, but they do manage a neat trick to speak out of both sides of their mouths. <laughs> now, no matter what your stand is on those elections, we too often find ourselves as American Jews in Samuel's position, wishing that the Israel we love would not have to exist in the political realm. We want their government to nurture leaders who seek the public good, who perform their civic duty with pride. But politics, you know in your heart, they can be, be challenging and difficult. We want Israel to be an orlegoyim, a light to the nation, to be a place that nurtures civil engagement and that supports our best democratic values, that reflects the highest level of civil discourse and human rights. We want her to be led by by heroes and not by politicians. And yet Rambam Maimonides warns us in Hilhot Malachim, he warns us politicians, they have to seek power and personal aggrandizement and he tries to limit that by forbidding the kings to drink wine and telling them that they have to study the Torah every day and night. So it says in Deuteronomy, let the Torah scroll remain with him all the days of his life. Would that politicians today followed his instruction, but we know Israel now exists in the political world and has a vibrant democracy as do we. And we best be careful in preparing for the next elections in this country, how we judge them. I don't look forward to the ads to come to the stooping to base constituencies to the innuendos about people's real intentions, to the desire to read all the email. I have to be careful about wanting more from the modern state of Israel than from our own democracy. Perhaps we need to work in both places for the good and for the better. And so like anything I love, there are things we can be proud of after these elections and things we know that we need to work on. Beginning with the latter, as Thomas Friedman wrote in his first response to the election that Netanyahu's rejection of a potential Palestinian state may not be real, and yet it comes in the milieu of the Palestinians themselves having failed twice to embrace peace overtures from other prime ministers. Well, as he now backtracks on that stand and perhaps uh, backtracks a little more tomorrow, maybe there is an opportunity to push the peace process forward if America doesn't step away, but does decide our peak re-engages. 
What else have we learned? We've learned that Israel has to work harder on integration of its minorities. Our eldest daughter, who was there during the election, she struggled with what she saw were racist expressions around the polling booths. And what's good is that Israelis are themselves acknowledging this problem, and they do want to demand more of their society and of themselves. The prime minister must apologize even more for singling out the Arab minorities, citizens of Israel, as if their votes were not the same value as anyone else's. And what have we learned? We cannot deny the power of fear in politics. And the real reason for fear in Israel as the Middle East goes through such violent transition. It is still up to us to stand with Israel and help protect her. Even as we continue to demand that she uphold its commitments to democracy and be a place that welcomes all Jews, not just the Orthodox, and respects the rights of all minorities. But what can we be proud of? We can be proud that a free and fair election took place in, the only, in a sliver of the Middle East, the only country where this is allowed to happen. We can be proud that an Israeli press is free to criticize all of the political leaders and then go safely to bed at night, left and right. And we can be proud that we know that at any time there can be a peaceful transition of power from one party to another in that country. Israel is a vibrant democracy, and yes, Politics are messy, but it's almost Passover. It's time to clean out the chametz, sweep away the ego, and work even harder to be an or legoyim, a light to the nations, embracing this time that celebrates freedom, redemption, and hope for a better future if we will but keep working for it. So may we do. Amen. Amen.